Hey, it's good to see everybody this morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Doing good? Come on, how are y'all doing? It's good to see you. Um, well, hey, real quick before we jump into the message, I want to welcome a few people. First of which, uh, Pastor Aaron is back with us. Welcome back, Pastor Aaron Brian. Come on, let's let him feel welcome. For those of you who are uh, Fox students that you may not know, uh, our pa pastor, our lead pastor, has been on a sabbatical for the last uh, few months, and so uh, this is the first week back. He'll be in the pulpit next week. I know some of y'all are thinking, thank God. And so it's okay. It's okay. No, but we're, uh, we're excited to have Pastor Aaron back. I'm looking forward to hearing what God's laid on your heart. And so the second group of people we want to welcome this morning is our Fox students. Welcome back, Fox students. Um, I know uh, some of you are brand new. We want you to know that at Red Hills, we love, we love Fox students. We love having you guys plug in and get connected. So hopefully this will be a, a good home for you. And then lastly, I want to welcome everybody joining us online. If you're hanging out at your home watching YouTube or maybe you're finishing up vacation, we just want to welcome you. We hope that God's presence uh, was right there where you're at. Can we welcome them one more time? Thank you so much for being here. Well, if you've got a Bible this morning, you can turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to read from today. We're going to read um, going into uh, a, a story where Paul and Silas are preaching or traveling to preach the gospel. And we're catching up on them right as they go to jail. Let's read it together. Verse 22. It says, the crowd joined in at attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off of them and gave orders for them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they, they took them into the prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And having received these orders, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were going and, or, excuse me, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaking. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called and rushed in for, with lights and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your entire household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour that night, washed their wounds, and he baptized uh, him at once, he and his entire family. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for this story. And Father, how we can see your power in, in the waiting, in the process of waiting. And I pray today that as we, as we look at this and we meditate on it, that you would uh, help us be people who wait, who wait on you, who wait well. We ask these things in your name, Jesus Christ, the strong son of God. Amen and amen. Have you ever received a, a gift at Christmas that you weren't necessarily, like you didn't ask for it, but, but it turned out to be something you got excited about? Have you ever had, I think that those are the best gifts, right? Like some of you, you might be like me. I, I make strong hints around the holiday season about 
what I would like to be surprised with. Anybody, any, like you're, you're with those people, anybody with me? Like, like there's, there's a reality that like some of us are like that. We want to make sure it's a good Christmas, right? So we let our spouses or, or our family know exactly what we want. But there's something amazing about getting surprised with something that you weren't expecting. And a couple of years ago, uh, my sister, Jordan, my older sister, surprised us with uh, this thing called an Instapot. And if you don't know what an Instapot is, an Instapot is like a two-in-one thing where it is both a pressure cooker and it is also a slow cooker, like a, like a crock pot if you want to use it that way. But most people, I think, use it as uh, like a pressure cooker. Now, for those of you who are my age or older, you probably remember somebody using a pressure cooker in your house and not being able to go to the ki- into the kitchen while it was on because it might explode. Anybody anybody remember those? Like, I, I remember that like growing up. We were, we were not allowed. If we heard the little thing start to whistle on top, we knew only mom could go in the kitchen. But these, I don't think that they explode. I have not seen any videos on YouTube of them exploding. Therefore, it doesn't exist. So I'm assuming that that doesn't happen anymore. However, however, th- this pot is has the ability to cook things at a pretty incredible rate. If you've never had one before, you can drop rock-hard frozen chicken breasts into your, into your Instapot, and then you set the timer for 20. It takes it about... I don't know, like 10 minutes to, to lock up. Um, and then in 20 minutes, you have, you have cooked completely through, completely defrosted chicken breasts. Like that's the gig. And you can make other stuff in it other than meat. Like there's also uh, like a lot of soup recipes. If you have like dried uh, beans at your house, you can throw those in there and it cooks it way faster than it would in any other, uh, in any uh, op- operation on the stove. It's a really cool it's a really cool little feature. Now, there's a couple of negative things about the Instapot, if we're going to be honest, though. It, what comes out of the Instapot is good. It's, it tastes pretty okay. It, it, tastes, it tastes fine. It's, it's cooked all the way through, whatever. Like, you're not going to be surprised by it being half done. But it doesn't, it does not taste the exact same if you had taken the time to thaw the meat out, to, to season it a little bit, to, to shoot some, some kind of an injection into the chicken breast and let it like sit in an oven and slow cook for a few hours. There, there, is, there is no perfect solution to get that experience without the time. The other thing that's kind of a letdown about the Instapot, and then by the way, this is like 50-50 whether or not this is true, but I think it's interesting that a lot of people uh, have out there on, uh, on the internet that when you you cook things in a pressure cooker that it actually robs the meat of the nutrients of some of the nutrients that would otherwise be in there. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but there's a decent amount of articles floating around the, the internet that tell you that. So this is an interesting thing to me. Like, I think it's interesting. But the question then is, if it's le- a little bit less healthy for you and it doesn't taste quite as good, why are we so pumped about having an Instapot? I mean, we used it twice in my house this week. Like, we, we used it to make soup on Monday, and we used it to make mashed potatoes on Friday, right? And so, like, we like our Instapot. Why, why are we so okay with this thing that kind of degrades our, our food a little bit? Well, probably because, if we're honest, most of us are pretty obsessed with how expediently and how efficiently we can do things. 
Right? Like we live in an era and an age that the question is not uh, always around quality, but it is always around how fast can we do it. We live our lives that way. We actually celebrate that in the culture that we live in. That, that we will celebrate people who can do things at an extremely fast rate before we ask the question, is the quality of it good? Uh, and and you, can, you can see that in several different industries all throughout the, the history of the 21st and the 20th centuries. That in in the industrial age, in the time that we, we really begin to manufacture things, that there were a lot of issues with things that we manufactured, but we didn't really care because we were able to crank them out that much faster in the process. We love, and we might could even say that we worship often at the altar of expediency and efficiency. We love to see how fast we can get things done. And in some aspects of our life, that's a good thing. In some aspects of our life, it's a good thing. However, it's not when it comes to our own spirituality. As a matter of fact, just like the Instapot can do a lot of things pretty well, and the fact that it can't uh, do it exactly like it would be if you went through the slow process of it, our spiritual life is like that too. And the issue that we have in the culture that we live in is that for, for many of us, well, this is actually true for all of us, but, but many of us don't even see it like this. When we elevate expediency and efficiency in our life, we also devalue the process of waiting in our life. I won't, I won't, highly, um, I won't highly value the, the process of waiting in, our, in my life if I also put at the top of my life expediency and efficiency. The issue is that there are some things that can only come with waiting. There are things in our own spirituality that only come when we choose to wait on God. And the, the issue I think that for many of us that we struggle with is that as we choose to do things more fast in every other aspect of our life, we struggle with seeing waiting as a positive thing. Because waiting can be frustrating. Wait, waiting can be uh, obnoxious at times. It can make us feel stuck. It can make us feel unproductive. But the truth is that God's greatest gifts to us most often come in seasons of waiting. They most often come in seedings, uh, seasons of waiting. You could say it like this, that how we wait determines what we wait for. That when we learn to wait well, that when we learn to trust the Lord, when we learn to live a life that is more motivated by faith than by results, we end up with something much greater than we could have ever imagined. Why? Because we're not doing it out of our own strength, but we are doing it in partnership with the, with the God of the universe. And when we, choose, when we choose to see it that way, something powerful happens in our own life. And if anybody knew what it was like to be a little frustrated with waiting, it was probably Paul. Paul, Paul in this story, Paul and Silas are two people who they were passionate about one thing. And that in this moment in their life was sharing the gospel. It was proclaiming the gospel anywhere and everywhere that they could. But when they find themselves being thrown in jail, it wasn't the first moment that they felt like they were waiting. As a matter of fact, if you read uh, the uh, entire chapter of Acts chapter 6, we see just in this chapter alone several different places where they thought that they would be going to minister the gospel, yet doors closed. It actually says in two different places in Acts chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit forbid them 
from sharing the gospel in a community that they traveled to in order to do that thing. And so they're, they're taking this, this journey in sharing the gospel and they go to a place and they think, oh, well, we'll be able to make an impact here. But then the door is closed. And then they go to another place and they feel like, oh, we'll be able to make an impact here. And no, the door closes. But then Paul goes and he has a dream. He goes and he has a dream for him to go to Macedonia, for him to go to this place because a man in the dream was crying out for him to come there. And he thinks, okay, this is, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to go. This is the thing that God's called me to. And he goes to this place. He goes to this spot. And when he gets there, he finds somebody that actually knows Jesus and has uh, some things in common with him. Her name's Lydia. And he thinks, okay, this is probably a good thing. And he gets to stay in Lydia's house. And then he begins to do ministry out of Macedonia in this, in this moment. And when, when he feels like he's winning just a little bit more, he's presented with a woman who has a, a demonic issue in her life. And this particular demonic issue, it's a slave girl that she, um, she has the ability to tell fortunes because of the demonic oppression in her life. And the Bible says that Paul casts this demonic force out of her. And, you know, that's probably like a win, right? Like if you're going to spread the gospel, you know, seeing like the Holy Spirit where you're thinking, okay, we're finally taking a few steps forward in our life until the owner of that slave finds, finds the one who casts the demon out of her. And because that's no longer in her, she can't do what she was profitable for, which was tell people's fortunes. He now finds himself in jail. You want to talk about a life where you're going three steps forward, five steps backwards, Paul felt that way. Have you ever felt that way in your own life? Where, where you're just, you feel like you just can't seem to get ahead of where you are. And every single time you think that you're taking a couple of steps forward, you find yourself just a little bit further than you originally were. It's, it's difficult. It's hard to process that. It's hard to see that in a world where we celebrate efficiency and expediency and getting to the place where we want to go as fast as possible. It's hard to see that and still say, man, I'm going to trust that God is in this season of waiting. I'm going to trust that God is still moving in this season, even though it feels like I'm further back from what I was supposed to do. I'm still going to trust God. It's difficult. I think it's difficult, not just because waiting is hard, but because there's really only two ways to respond to waiting. The first reason, or the first way that we respond to waiting is uh, by looking at waiting as preparation. If we have a healthy ver view of waiting in our life, if we understand it in a, in a healthy version in our life, we see it as preparation. We see it as the opportunity to allow God to do things, to instill things, to invest things into us that we wouldn't otherwise have. We can see waiting as preparation, but the problem is most of us don't see it as preparation. Most of us see it as being passed over. We see it as being passed over. We see it as, as not God doing something to prepare us for the next season. We see it as, as God not seeing where uh, we are or forgetting about us or not caring about us. The issue that many of us face when it comes to seasons of waiting is that we allow it to dive into our own insecurities that we already have and allow it to play in our mind as, see, God doesn't care about me either. Because if God cared about me, I'd be in a different spot. I'd be doing better. I'd feel more fulfilled. I'd be closer to the end goal of my life. And we find ourselves, for so many of us, struggling with this, this reality. That 
waiting is not about being passed over. It's about preparation. But it, it causes me to choose to value waiting in my life in order to see it that way. And Paul and Silas give a beautiful picture of what it means to wait on God. They give this beautiful picture of what it means to wait on the Lord in this, in this story. And I want to give you four thoughts from this story this morning on what it means to wait well. The first one is this. That if I'm going to wait well, I have to learn to turn my waiting into worship. I have to learn to turn my waiting into worship. You know, there's something about difficult seasons that, that worship just has the ability to minister to us deeper when we're intentional with it. There's something about going through a, a difficult season and instead of talking um, to, to friends or talking to a mentor, and I, and I believe in those things, I think that they're healthy in some seasons, but there's something about when we go through a difficult season where we first stop and choose to worship God in that moment, that there's freedom in that. There's something powerful that happens when the Holy Spirit comes in our own space through a song and touches our heart. That's why, that's why worship on Sunday morning, that, that there's something about being in the room that's so special. Because when we worship God, there is an invitation to partner with the Holy Spirit and allow him to minister to our soul in that moment. There's something very special that comes with worship. And Paul and Silas, I believe especially Paul understood that. Why else would you be sitting in stocks in the deepest part of a jail cell singing worship to God and praying? I think what's interesting about uh, this is it tells us a few different things. Number one, uh, it tells us that uh, in the scripture, it tells us that they had probably been doing that for a while. Why do we know that? I don't think many people start singing at midnight. Right? Like there's something about, about the fact that it tells us that at midnight they were praying and singing. That it was in a moment that they felt stuck, that they chose not to give up. They chose not to, uh, not to say God has forgotten me, but they chose to engage in worship. Why? Because there's some things that happen when we choose to worship. The first thing that it does is it builds our faith. Not only does it build our faith, it also changes our perspective. So there's something that happens when we choose to sing songs that put God in his rightful place in our life. There's something that happens that, that changes us on the inside that does a deep work. And it's not only that, it's not only that uh, it changes our perspective, but it also sets our, uh, it sets our focus in the right place. It's so easy when we go through a season of waiting that we look around and we go, I don't, I don't understand why I'm here. I should have been somewhere else. The circumstances can become so overwhelming when we choose to try to do it alone. And we choose to even let our circumstances push us into a deeper place of insecurity. But when I choose to step back and I choose to worship God, even in the midst of feeling stuck, there's something that happens it builds my faith, it changes my perspective, but it also helps me refocus on what really matters, which is the truth that God it has not forgotten me, that he is right there with me, that he is beside me, and I can experience that in his tangible presence, even in the darkest places of my life. So if I wanna wait well, I need to learn to turn my, my waiting into worship. The second thing I need to do is be grateful for where I'm at. It's being grateful for where I'm at. I have found, at least in my own life, that 
seasons of waiting are really invitations for humility in my life. I found that, that to be very true, that they are invita invitations to humility, that there's something about being grateful even when the circumstances don't really give you an obvious thing to be grateful for. There's something about choosing to be grateful even in the moment. Because, you know, the truth is this, that even though you may be in a difficult spot in your life, even though the circumstances of, of your personal world may not be where you want them to be, that there is nothing that has changed in light of Jesus. There's nothing that's changed in the light of Jesus, that Jesus still loves you. He still cares for you. He still died for you. He still set you free from your sins. Come on, I'm preaching a little bit better than y'all are responding this morning. There's something about choosing in the, in the midst of the most difficult season of your life to say, you know what, I'm going to be grateful because God's still good. There's something powerful about that. And when I choose to grasp on to gratefulness, it starts, it jumpstarts humility in my life. Because when I'm grateful for the things that I can't do and I can't produce in my life, it puts God in his rightful place as, the, as my creator, as my friend, as, as my confidant, and the one who will get me through that season. I may not be able to get myself through that season, but God can. And there's something powerful about that, that we need to choose to be grateful in our waiting, even when it doesn't feel like waiting, even when, it feels, even when I feel stuck, even when I feel like it's just not working out the way that I want it to, I can still be grateful because God is still God and he's still good. So if I want to wait well, I have to choose um, to turn my worship, to turn my waiting into worship. I have to be grateful. And then there's this. This is probably the hardest one for most of us. I have to choose in that time to develop who I am instead of where I want to go. I have to choose to develop who I am instead of where I want to go. We get so obsessed with where we think we want to go in our own life. And I want to say this specifically to Fox students. Maybe you're sitting in here and, you're, and you are worried about the trajectory, how well you're going to do in class, how well, um, you're, how well you're going to come out on the other side uh, of your school. And, and you know what? Th that is something to, to pay attention to. But I want to say this to you. Don't spend all of this time trying to get you where you want to go without working on who you are in this season. There's something so important about working on the character and nature of your own soul as you are working on where you want to go in your life. This is, this is important that we understand this and that we value this, that character matters. Who we are, the integrity that we live with, the life that we live, those, that, those things matter. Those things matter. And we need, when we see a, a moment where we feel stuck or we're not moving at the pace that we, are, that we are wanting to move to, when we see that, we should see it as an opportunity to stop and reflect on our own character and ask the question, God, what would you have me work on? Because it is not good, as Jesus said, for me to gain the whole world but lose my soul. That I need to learn to work on what is inside of me, not just on where I'm getting in this life. I think about the story of Paul. I think about the story of Paul. The Bible tells us that before, before he converted, he was the guy killing Christians, right? Like we, we, we know that to be true. And he has a moment where he has an experience with God, where he sees that God is deeply transitioning him to do something very, literally the opposite of what he was doing. 
And the Bible tells us that when he has this experience with God, that he is blind for several days. I think the Bible says three. He was blind for several days. And I can't help but think about what three days blind does to you. I can't help but think about what three days blind does to you. The, the, the introspection that happens, the, the ability to look at who you are, the ability to ask, am I the person that I'm supposed to be? And, I'll, and inviting God into that moment and saying, Father, do a work in my soul. Do something in me that is significant. Do something in me that will, that will make this waiting period count. I think, I believe this, and, and I, I, deeply, I deeply believe this, and I think this, that for many of us, we wait longer than God desires for us to wait. Because he's waiting for us to get a clue that the waiting matters. And he's, and he's got things for us. He's got things in the next season. But there are moments in our own season that he's calling things out of us. He's calling us to stand up. He's calling us to, to walk with a, di- a, deeper, a deeper level of character. He's calling us to that. God is trying to get us to that next place. But he's giving us space to wait so that our character can catch up to what he has for us. I need to work on me instead of where I'm going. And the last thing is this, that I can be confident that God is doing something. I can be confident that God's doing something. I may feel stuck. I may feel like there's nothing go, going on, but God is doing something behind the scenes that I don't see. We see this story where Paul, Paul is in jail and God called him to go to this place. The Bible tells us because he has a dream of a man begging him to save him. And he goes to this place and he begins ministry and he finds himself in jail. And I'm sure that there was a moment where he thought, this is a huge waste of time. That dream must have meant nothing. I'm, ju- I'm just here. Why am I here? Why did I follow that stupid dream? But yet God was doing something the entire time. You know, so often we see waiting as that Passover, that God is passing over me. Yet when Paul chose to trust God, three, three miracles happened. Three miracles happened in this story. The first one is this, that the entire prison heard him singing. You say, well, that doesn't really sound like a miracle. It does to me. Because there's something about people seeing you in your worst moment and seeing you still worship and seeing you still trust God, that it does something to them. It's a witness to to the rest of the world. And the Bible says that Paul had an opportunity to continue to sing so that the other people around him heard it. It says that the other people in the prison heard it. The second is this, it's the most obvious, it was the earthquake that God showed up when he felt like, like his waiting was just a bunch of walls surrounding him and sitting in stocks, that in, in the right moment, God moved and the, and the walls opened and the stocks fell off. Why? Because God had been working on something. But the biggest miracle of all is the miracle sometimes that we overlook when we read this story. And that is that that man crying out to him in his dream maybe didn't look like what was in his dream, but he presented himself. 
the jailer that threw him into the prison. He, he led him to Jesus. And what's beautiful about it is he not, he, he not only led him to Jesus, he led his whole family to Jesus. And he didn't just lead his whole family to Jesus, but he baptized them in the same night. You can be confident that where you are, where you are is where God has you for a reason. And you, you, may, you may be looking at the dream or the, the vision or the idea that was planted in you by God, and you may be saying, it doesn't look anything like I thought it was going to look like. But you can still, even though it doesn't look like what you think it was going to look like, you can still be confident. You can still be confident that God is doing something in you. You can still be confident that God is working in you. I remember several, several years ago in my own life that I, I felt like I had been waiting forever for something. I felt like I had been waiting forever. Um, I had been a, a pastor for about three years. I'd been a pastor for about three years. And um, I was a single pastor before I, I got married. And I, I want to tell you, um, pastoring can be difficult. Pastoring single is a lot difficult. <laughs> it's a lot difficult. Uh, and. And I wanted more than anything before I even became a pastor uh, to be married. I just felt like that was something that was a desire that God placed in my heart. That was a desire that he had, he had placed in me. And th the truth is, I felt very let down by God for several years. And I can remember going home and doing well, uh, leading a youth ministry and feeling like at work I was doing super well, but going home and just feeling so stuck, feeling so by myself. I was in a moment of waiting, but to be honest, I didn't feel like I was waiting. I felt like I'd been forgotten. And it, it was difficult. But in that time, I, I can remember, I can remember the the junky little apartment that I sat in in my first in my first youth ministry, and I can remember sitting in that house or that or that apartment, and I can remember just thinking, God, I don't, I don't understand why you've put me in this in this place. There was something that began to to happen in that moment. There was a song that that was uh, pretty significant for me that just began to play. Um, i had had my iPod on shuffle and it just began to play. And I sat back on my couch and something just began to change in the room. And I, I, I began as that song began to play, just worshiping God. And even though I was frustrated at the moment that I was in for several reasons, but specifically because I was still single, there was a peace that came. And I began to be just a little bit more grateful for, for where I was. And, and you know what's interesting is I, I went the next couple of days and I, I said, okay, God, I, I'm trusting you in this season. I don't, I, don't really, I don't really know why you still have me here, but God, I'm going to trust you. And the Lord in, in that next week began to just drop some things in my heart, some areas that 
that I thought I had a good handle on that I, that I needed to, to work on. I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll trust you. And it was, about, it, was about three, it was about three months after that that my perspective had been changing. And I went, to, uh, I went to Birmingham, which is where I was from. And my buddy, who knew I was in town for a couple weeks, said, hey, um, you got to come to this Bible study. There's this girl um, that's been leading a young adult Bible study, and she's been killing it. And you just need to come hang out. It's a lot of fun. I thought, man, I'm on vacation. I do not want to go to a Bible study. You know, like, like I, it's true. It's just true. Like, like there, there was just part of me that was like, this does not, that does not sound fun to me. And my best friend said, come on, man, we'll, we'll go get something to eat afterwards. And I sat in a room and watched my now wife lead uh, a Bible study with about 30 people around her. And it was not 60 days after that that we, we began to just uh, develop a, a friendship. And now we've been married, we'll be married eight years in November. And to be honest, walking into that Bible study, I still felt a little bit like God had forgotten me. I still felt a little bit like, like I was on God's back burner and, and I had no idea that he was doing something in me to prepare me for what he had for me. But if I had not learned to think differently about the waiting process, I would not have been ready for the thing that God had for me. The gift of waiting is important. And it's important that we understand it is important that we understand that while there may be a faster way, there may be a more expedient way, there is not a better way than to follow Jesus and to trust that he has a plan and a purpose for our life. I may have a faster way, but God has a better way. Would you stand with me all over the room? With everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed, I just want to ask, I just want to ask a question. Are you struggling in a season of waiting? Are you struggling in a season of waiting? Is this, is this a difficult season for you? Are you struggling? Are you, are you feeling more passed over than God preparing you for, for what he has for you next? Are you struggling with that? If that's you, I just wanna, I just wanna pray for you. I just wanna take a moment and pray for you because I know, I know what that feeling's like. I know what it's like to feel that press into the insecurity that you probably already have and to feel insignificant. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I just wanna pray with you right now. Yeah, all over the room, all over the room. Yeah, 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 to my left, my right. Yeah, I see people all over the room. Father, I pray right now that, that this group of people that's saying, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I, I'm struggling with waiting. I'm struggling with seeing what you have for me. Father, I pray that you would begin to give them confidence that you've got something significant. I pray that you would give them confidence that you uh, haven't forgotten them, but you see them, you know them, you know exactly what they are feeling right now. And God, you are preparing them for something better than they could have ever asked for or imagined. That God, you do care and that you deliver, you always deliver more than we could have ever imagined. And so Father, I 
I pray right now that that, that confidence would just, um, would just find its way into their soul. And Father, that they would learn to make this season of waiting count for it to matter. For God to, for, for them to see that you're doing something, for them to see that this is a season to learn to trust you and, and, to, and to realize that you have them. We thank you for what you're doing in, in them. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity to wait. Father, it doesn't normally feel like an opportunity, but your word clearly says that there are opportunities when we wait. We see that throughout the scripture. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.